treatment of Mr. Tito. Uh, the message I know that we have just uh, attended to, I mean, listened to, uh, I know very well that it has been an ongoing conversation and the vision of the Lord, the vision of March, March 4th, the year 2022. So this is a current conversation of the Lord. And uh, you see very clearly that uh, in this channel, Lord is speaking to the current church, the present-day church. And in this conversation, we saw that when the Lord said in that tremendous vision, he said they will awake some to everlasting life and others to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. We saw very clearly that in that conversation, God Almighty, God the Father, is directing his attention to the present-day church. And he's speaking to the present-day church about this very powerful, glorious kingdom of God prepared for them and how they ought to walk at this time. I'm reading again that lead scripture we have been holding on to in the book of Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, this is amplified, it says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt and abhorrence. This is amplified. We expand it, we amplifies it. And we've been at that scripture where we saw that there are two destinies. There will be two resurrections. One resurrection for everlasting life Another, and the other resurrection is for judgment. Here, called, he calls it shame, everlasting shame, everlasting contempt, and everlasting abhorrence. And then, as we continued exploring on the message, opening up, unveiling the message the Lord has spoken by voice to the nations and to the Church of Christ, the body of Christ, then we arrived at another scripture that describes the resurrection of the saints. And that became Daniel chapter 12, verse 13, where he said, But you, Daniel, who was now over 90 years of age, go your way until the end. Meaning, don't stop before the end. Go all the way to the very end. Go your way until the end, for you shall rest. There he's talking about falling asleep. And shall stand in your allotted place. Uh, in allotted, your allotted place at the end of the day. Again. But you, Daniel, who was now over 90 years of age, Go your way until the end, for you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place 
at the end of the day. So he's talking about the fact that Daniel will go and Daniel will fall asleep and Daniel will awake and Daniel will now stand at his portion, at his inheritance in the glorious kingdom of God. So there are few things you pick from there, very powerful things you can pick from there. And NIV brings it also very differently. If you look at the way NIV brings this conversation to the church, it says the following, Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. It says, as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the day, you will rise, meaning resurrect, to receive your allotted inheritance. So this is very serious, blessed people. Very, very serious, extremely. Because the Lord is saying here, many things. And I know that today in tonight's uh, global service, we're going to handle some of these instructions the Lord is laying before the church in this very tremendous vision of the resurrection of the saints. In other words, the rapture of the church. In other words, your eternity. But you can see very clearly that the Lord in the whole picture is saying that Babylon invaded Israel, invaded Jerusalem, and took captive. And when people were taken captive, among them was Daniel. And we saw also very clearly in that message that the Hebrew boys, Daniel, included, they resisted defilement, what was known as the king's diet. We saw that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. They, they decided to live a separated life. Once they were aware they were on this ordained path, ordained way of the Lord. And we saw that there is so much importation there, so much message there for the church to encourage the church to live a separated lifestyle. So Daniel lived a separated lifestyle. So in the entire message of the resurrection that the Lord presents here, there is one that relates to the person of Daniel, his character, his life, how he lived, his worship, how he related with God, and the other relates to the discussion of the events surrounding the end time. The end time when there will be tribulation and God's people will be subjected to a lot of persecution. But you see clearly that uh, once he was aware he is on this ordained path of the Lord, Daniel resisted defilement. And Daniel was living in a fallen world, an apostate world, a defiled world, a pagan world a world that is atheist and heathen like you see today. And yet he maintained that separation we saw through two kingdoms. In that message you hear him talk about the, during the reign of the Nebuchadnezzar and then the Persian king comes on, but Daniel remained the same. He remained very faithful to the Lord. And out of that he received revelation about the dreams of the king. That faithfulness, you see, God now rewards him. He's able to interpret dreams. 
And even much more importantly, as he continues in his faithfulness, the Lord now gives him revelation for the end time, the things that will happen in the end time. And remember, Daniel lived more, more than 600 years before Christ, quite far away, 600 years plus before Christ. But he refused to defile himself with the king's food at an early age, about, you're talking about 14 to 20, around there, that age bracket. So Daniel was very faithful to the Lord God Almighty throughout his life when he was a youth. And when he was 90, that's what you hear coming out through that message. And then he, he refused to worship the idols of that religion, of that age, of that country. Then he was thrown into the lion's den at 90 years of age. So Daniel continuously presents the Holy God of Israel, no matter the paganism, the apostasy, the defilement, the atheism, the persecution, no matter, he presents the Holy God of Israel as the one and only true God to be worshipped. And we saw that the Lord is using that to speak to the present day church also, because we live in present circumstances that are similar to what you saw then. There's a lot of atheism. People just don't believe in God and a lot of idol worship. We have a lot of uh, religions that, uh, you know, the Eastern religions and all, even the Christian religions, some of them have boiled down into the, the false doctrine. Hmm? The Lord normally shows them to me and he writes in the sky, he says, this religion is a false doctrine, this one is a false doctrine. Hmm? And I've preached it very clearly here on our global platform. So we live in similar times as when Daniel lived. That's amazing because you see that he stood. He stood firm onto the faith. He stood very firm. He was very consistent regardless of age or regime, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar or it was you know, Babylonian king or Persian king. He still refused to worship those idols. And so he presents today Daniel presents to the present day church a perfect example of how you should live. I mean, perseverance within persecution. And we see that today, the Daniel presents to you the end time events, how they will unfold, meaning even during the Great Tribulation. So the persecution you have right now may not be as severe as that that will uh, accrue during the great tribulation. But you find that the church cannot tolerate. She cannot persevere. She has zero tolerance to pain and persecution. She easily gives in. So today's church needs to evangelize Jesus to this fallen world the way Daniel evangelized God Almighty away, the God of Israel in that fallen world. And we see also very clearly that message that uh, the Lord is saying that when Jesus came, to you the church, when Jesus came, he shared in the human nature. So he shared into your human nature, the fallen nature, that he may be able to to remove you. He that knew no sin became sin for you. That he may, one day you will, you see, he will be able to remove you from death. He takes a death for you. That we must share 
in his crucifixion also, if we expect to be resurrected in the first resurrection for everlasting life. And we have also seen that we must share in his death and burial. And then we must share in his suffering, in other words, we must suffer with him the crucifixion, suffer, persecuted as he was persecuted. That, that is the only way. The only way you share in his resurrection and share in his glory. That message comes up very clearly in the, in the tremendous life and, uh, and, uh, and vision that the Lord gave in the book of Daniel, in the life of Daniel that we are looking at now. You see that the Lord is encouraging the church to share in his suffering, the suffering of the Christ. So Christians are called to suffer with Christ and to be crucified with him and to die with him, to be buried with him. And then you will be raised with him and share in his glory. That is absolutely very clear, blessed people. And so, you see the Lord pointing at a way. He's talking about a way, the way the church ought to walk, the way of life. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he talks about the narrow way and the wide road. And the Lord is encouraging the church within this vision of Daniel, rather the vision of the resurrection of the saints, which comes from the book of Daniel. The Lord literally supplanted it from Daniel chapter 12. By voice. He literally read it from that scripture when he spoke to me by voice that night. Daniel 12 verse 2. You see that the Lord is saying that he is encouraging the church to follow a way. There is a way. It's a restricted way. It does not give you much luxury, much space to, to participate in what the whole world is doing. It's a restrained way. It's a constrained way, constricted way, a separated way. And that way, when you walk there, displays the cost of discipleship, the price of following Jesus. Because the squeezed way, squeezed, in that way, there is strong faith in Jesus alone, as you have seen now in the message that handles Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. So this way is a lifestyle, that is what the Lord is saying, and it's a God-ordained way for the church. So in other words, God has ordained a particular way of life for the church, for the elect, for his people. Because only in this way are you prepared for the kingdom of God. This way alone leads to the kingdom of God. And you see God Almighty encouraging Daniel, go on that way, go on faithfully with God, Yahweh, on that way you have been walking till the end. So that is the same encouragement the Lord is bringing to the church. That those who have chosen to walk in holiness, no matter the circumstances, go on faithfully 
walking with God your way, on that way, to the very end, don't give up. Then God's rest, God will mentioned God's rest. God will bring you into God's rest. And in God's rest you will have peace. You will enjoy peacefulness. You will enjoy calmness. You will enjoy serenity, stability, quiet, tranquility, joy, you know. And that, those are eternal. Hmm? And the Lord is saying that the present-day church may miss her eternity in heaven. Why? Because of lack of faith and lack of the knowledge of God's promises. Because of unbelief. Because of worldliness. This compromising all the time. The those are being raised in this conversation. And so, this is a serious matter the Lord has raised before the church. And yet, when you read it again, that Daniel chapter 12, 13, when he says, As for you, Daniel, go on your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, at the end of the days, you will rise, meaning resurrect, to receive your inheritance, your reward. In other words, you can see that the, the, the beauty about salvation is that God is in total control. The Lord is saying here that he is in total control and that sin can be totally defeated and overcome by you. And God is saying that this world is not your final destination. He's telling him that you will sleep and then you're going to resurrect. You are going to resurrect. So this world, the death, he's talking about death. Death must come. Then this world is not your final home, final destination. He's saying death is a must, and the grave is not your terminal end, because he's telling him, you resurrect now at that time and go into eternal inheritance, eternal kingdom of God. This is very powerful, because the Lord is simply saying that he is in charge of the entire human history. God Almighty is in charge of the entire human history. And in that conversation uh, of, of, Daniel, of Daniel chapter 12, verse 13, anchoring it on the vision of March 4th, the year 2022, you see that it has all the markings of the work of Christ, the achievements of Christ. The excellent worship that Christ requires us to bring before the Father. You see Daniel offering it right there. The established obedience that Jesus brought, that we may obey God the Father, he brought it right there. The established humility is right there, that we may be humble before the Father and obey him fully, totally. You see the advancing of the gospel that Jesus brought there, because Daniel took to that heaven world, the one and only true God to be worshipped, Jehovah Yahweh. And he advanced that gospel. We see God Almighty pronouncing also judgment. Yes, that there will be two destinations. Some will enter everlasting life, others will be judged. And they will go into eternal judgment. So, we see all the markings 
Jesus coming to, of, of what Jesus came to do, saving sinners, meaning you can actually overcome sin. The will of God, the Father being established on the earth, you saw that Daniel remained firm on the will of God to the extent that God now allowed him to interpret dreams and then finally to give also the vision of God, the prophecies of God, who have given the revelation of God. And to bring light to the dark world, the mission of the Christ. That mission, you see it reflected there, because Babylon, the Tower of Babel, even if you look at the book of Revelation, the city Babylon, that is entitled Babylon, represents disobedience, rebellion. The entity of rebellion in these, these dark days. And that will be destroyed. So he, he brought light to that dark world, that pagan world, Babylon. And yet Jesus came also to bring light. So you see that the Lord is really exhorting the church to take the light to the dark world, to stand firm no matter the resistance, to destroy the devil. Oh, yes, absolutely. That, that is a mission that you see portrayed in the book of Daniel. All the way from the book of Daniel chapter 2, when the rock comes and destroys the idol, the statue, then becomes a huge mountain. That's now the kingdom of God established, destroying the devil. Testify to the truth of God, absolutely. You see that Daniel in his life, he testified to the truth of Yahweh. No matter the pressure, when the decree was made, he went up just to worship, and he opened his window facing Jerusalem. He knew they would see him. He wanted to present to them that the only true God worthy of worship, no matter the circumstances, is Jehovah Yahweh. So, so this is very powerful, what the Lord brings, and brings everlasting life. You see, in this scripture, he talks about everlasting life. Jesus brought everlasting life. And Daniel now is being led to everlasting life, that he shall take his inheritance. So this is a very powerful conversation, blessed people, that the Lord has made before the church, because he's saying that Satan has no power, he has no authority. He's saying that Jesus is the most powerful, powerful son of God, son of the living God. And the Lord is saying that resurrection is our hope, the resurrection of the Christ. Resurrection that Christ brought. And so we have seen in that message the Lord coming out very clearly and talking about the way, the way the church ought to walk. In the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Isaiah 30, we saw verse 21, but whether you turn to the left, or to the right, you'll hear this voice telling you, this is the way. Follow it. In other words, don't deviate. You, Daniel, continue on this way. This is the way. Follow it. And yet you understand that the way that was given to Daniel, the way that Daniel followed, is the same, same, same way that the church ought to be walking in right now. There are no two different ways. You can't say, oh, that was in the Old Testament. It is the same way that leads the kingdom of God. You cannot separate them. In Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, verse 24, it says the following. 
Luke chapter 13, verse 24. He says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able, will not be successful. So he's saying that this way, being exalted here in the book of Daniel chapter 12 verse 13, is a constricted way. It's not popular. You're restricted there. You can't go drinking in the bar. You can't go in the discotheque. You can't go dressing short mini cuts, open chest like the rest. It is restricted because we know the secret. We know the secret of the treasure as to why we are walking in this restricted way, the way we are walking. Only that day of the rapture, and then people say, Aha, now I understand why they loved holiness, why they dressed like that. So there was eternity for them. They have been taken into glory. We know the secret of walking in that way. In the book of John chapter 10, Verse 17, still on that way. I know that this is a message, really, that will be coming up tonight. John chapter 10, 17, he says, He says, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. So on this way, ransom has been paid. Christ has paid this price, a tremendous price. And if you go to verse 27, he says the following. He says, John chapter 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So he's saying a very beautiful statement here, very powerful, that on this way, the sheep listen to his voice, the voice of the Christ, the voice of the Lord. And you know when the voice of the Lord speaks, or when a sheep is listening to the voice of the Lord, you can see their lifestyle. You can see that they are holy, they are living a separated life, separated from the moral rot than the moral stench and decay of this world. Totally separated from that. You can see that they belong to Christ. And he says he knows them and they know his voice. They listen to his voice. When someone is a Christian and they are listening to the voice of the chief shepherd of Christ, the voice of the Lord, you can just look at their lifestyle and know that this one here is following the voice of the Lord then that is a total departure, complete departure from what you see in the church today. Because today in your present-day church, they are listening to another voice, a voice that is telling them about checks in the mail, financial wealth transfers, a voice that is telling them about um, the, the, I mean, this world, how to love it, how to live better in it and live well in it. I mean, <laughs> it's really amazing. It's a fallacy, blessed people. And yet the Lord here is talking about a narrow way that Daniel followed. And that is the same narrow way that Jesus followed. If you look at the book of John chapter 6, for example, 
John chapter 6, verse 6 to 6. Look at what happened. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This is amazing. Then he asked the other one remaining there, he said, Do you want to live also? Do you also want to live? So it's a narrow way that's unpopular. Sometimes the closest of your friends and relatives will leave. They, they, will, they will walk out of you because you are walking in this way. Jesus is not saying anything that did not happen to him. It's a narrow way. It's a constrained way. It's not popular. And in this way, if you read the book of Luke chapter 9, let's read Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, 23, it says the following. Luke 9, 23 says, And he said to them all, he said to them all, this is what he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their very soul or self? So this is very powerful because he's saying on this way there is the crucifying of the flesh. The flesh that would have attracted Daniel to the kingly diet, the sizzling beef, the sizzling lamb, sizzling chicken from the grill, sizzling pork, and the wine. The flesh that would have led him to that is crucified on this way. He's saying on this way the flesh is constantly being crucified. And that's why the present day church sometimes does most of the time does not want to walk this way because there is the crucifixion, the crucifying of the flesh, the sharing in the crucifixion with Christ, sharing with Christ, crucifixion, that you may share in his glory, in his resurrection with him, and glory with him. So this is serious. On this way there is the crucifying of the flesh. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says the following. He says, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's very powerful. He said, on this way, it's no longer you living. Meaning the priorities of the Lord come first before you. The flesh was crucified. The agenda of God comes first. If you look at the, the, the ministry of repentance and holiness in Kenya here, the way the young people are rushing out for evangelism at every opportunity, they don't sleep. They wake up very early at four, prepare, and already they are fair. They go into the matatu. I see their reports. 
they jump into the Matatu very early, open the Bible. As the Matatu is running, they are reading them. They are saying, they are telling them that the Messiah is coming. Are you aware that the messengers that announced the coming of the Messiah are already here? I was seeing in one of the reports of this morning, what the evangelism that happened this morning uh, from Kenyatta University, they entered with Cynthia Wanjiku that was totally blind and is now seeing and is now a student at Kenyatta University. So when that person uh, was, was preaching in that matatu this morning, they presented a living testimony saying that this is the evidence that the latter glory is here. The miracles of the Bible are here. And Cynthia Onjiku steps forward and starts to talk how she was totally blind. She was totally blind. And when she came to the meeting of the Lord, the Lord healed her eyes where the two prophets were preaching in Kisumu, eh? conducting a healing service. And so, if you look at the way the young men are totally consumed in evangelism in this ministry, it is awesome. Then you understand that they are walking in this way. They have been totally reprogrammed, deconstructed from the world, de deconstructed from the world, and reconstructed for God. They, they are pursuing the Lord. They are going for their lectures. They are going for their classes. On the slightest opportunity, they are alerting them. The Messiah is coming. They are, every person they meet, they are prepared. Please prepare. The Messiah is coming. The prophets of Yahweh are already ministering on the face of the earth. Look, they have struck Ukraine with this war, Europe with, with this war. They have struck Europe. They are asking Europe to repent from the Holocaust, from killing the Jews killing God's people from anti-Semitism of killing the Jews. You know, anti-Semitism is a wide scope because there are so many Semitic languages. But I'm saying the killing of God's people. Eh? We have the Odessa file, those movies, you know. Eh? Eh? So, I mean, the, 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 the Europe now, they, 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 they're telling them, look, the two prophets of God have judged Europe. They have judged the earth with coronavirus. They're judging the unrepentant man and repentant nation, the earthquake. And they're showing those leprosy healed. They're showing transfiguration. They're showing the prophecies with their laptops and iPads, you know, and iPhones. They're showing the rain. You know, they're reaching out to every person and soul they can gain contact with. That is what it means to walk on this way. You crush out the flesh and the priority of God comes first. In Galatians chapter 2, 20 on, we've seen that you cease to live for self. Now it is Christ living in you. The priority of Jesus. He says that the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave me himself, gave himself for me. I do not see. So, so this is so powerful. Huh? This is very mighty because... This is the way the Lord is directing the church to. In this mighty vision of March 4th to 22, when God the Father, the one that takes people to hell and takes others to heaven, when God the Father, my friend Yahweh, spoke with me by voice and sent me to you people to tell you that they will awake, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt, which is everlasting judgment, and everlasting abhorrence, which is everlasting death, second death, literally. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, he goes on to say the following. Galatians 5, 24, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, those who are born again, those who are children of God, those who are God's elect, they have crucified the flesh with this evil, lustful desires and passions. That is what God is saying about this way. The Lord is saying that on this way, that is directing it walking, that Daniel walked in, the way that leads to the kingdom of God, to the resurrection of the saints, to the first resurrection, to the glorious kingdom of God, to eternity, eternal inheritance in the kingdom of God. This way, in this way, those that walk there, they belong to Christ. They belong to God Yahweh. They belong to the Holy Spirit. And they have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. The lasting of immorality. They're walking in the streets and looking at nude women and lasting. He says all that has been crushed out when you walk in this way. It's very powerful, blessed people. In this way, there is power. He says by faith they walk. In this way, it is tremendous because the flesh has been put into its place, has been denied its its uh, its, its, its raids and tirades and 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 and. and, and all the time, subjugating with the spirit. No, the flesh has been crushed. The passions and desires of the flesh have been brought totally into submission and crushed, crucifying and the crushing of the flesh. And in this way, this same way, you see it in the book of Romans. This was a message I'm supposed to give in the global service. I guess I'll repeat this. Because there are people, you know, who are not able to access now. Romans chapter 6, 1 to 4, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that the grace may increase? By no means, he says. We are those who have died to sin, and how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who have, who have been baptized, who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were literally, were essentially rather, baptized into his death, we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him, Christ Jesus, through the baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Then verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in death like this, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection like this. Pointing at that resurrection. Verse 6 it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, gotten rid of, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So this is very serious. He's saying on this way there is the crucifying of the flesh. And there is the total demolition of the desires of the flesh. Crushing of the passions of the flesh. And in this way, you have seen, you walk by faith. In this way, you have to live a separated lifestyle and endure persecution. This is what the Lord is raising here. 
And remember, Daniel lives at a time when the Messiah has not yet come. He has not yet come. The Holy Spirit has not yet been released to help people. The Bible is simply pointing at the Messiah, the coming King of Israel. Pointing at the Messiah, how he would come as the Son of Man, the Servant of God. As the Son of God, you know, as Aaron's budded rod, hmm? as the bronze serpent, the bronze serpent on the on the tree, as the star of Jacob, as the manna from heaven, the Nazarite. So that, that is all that they knew. He had not yet come, but it is so powerful to see how they live their lives. I mean, Daniel. I mean, it's such an tall order, an example for this church. And that's why in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, you can read it all if you get time, but I'm reading only select verses because of time, you know. He's saying, Daniel chapter 11 from verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised them, they only saw them and welcomed them from afar, from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking forward to a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have simply had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, for he has prepared a city for them. And then when you get now to verse 32 to 40, look at what he says. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, about Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, you see Daniel over there, and quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the age of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle, and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. That is now resurrection for eternal life, for everlasting life. That is the resurrection where Christ is the firstborn from among the dead. Christ is the first begotten from among the dead. So he's starting from the resurrection of Christ. That's what he's calling the better resurrection. Resurrection for eternal life. He's not talking about the resurrection of Lazarus, whereby somebody resurrects and dies. Not at all. He's not talking about resurrection of any other, where people resurrected and died again. He's talking about resurrection to eternal life. The better resurrection. He says, some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sold in two using swords. They were killed by the sword. 
They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. So this is so powerful. It says these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised them. This God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Look at how the Lord made the church a partaker of this path, this same road. But you see in this road, he's saying no matter the persecution, even to the point of death, they never bowed down and worshipped idols. They never gave up the faith in believing in Yahweh, believing in Jesus. And that's why he's saying, on this narrow way, there is the crucifying of the flesh and living by faith. And there is enduring persecution and trials and living a separated life. And they were doing that in the Old Testament before Christ has come, before the Holy Spirit is here to help them. How much more should the church of this day be doing that? Because you are now living at a time when Christ Jesus has been resurrected. He has been resurrected to show us that death must happen and that God must bring the newness of life to you and defy nature, those that follow him on this way. It is amazing, blessed people. He's saying that the present-day church needs to understand very clearly, without any speck of a doubt, that mankind has sinned against God. That's number one. And number two, that God is holy and separated from that sin. Number two, that Jacob's ladder was lowered, the bridge, the Messiah. Second Corinthians 5:17 to 21, you see there, he became our righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for you. John 3:16 up to 18, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. First Corinthians 15, verse 3, the true gospel, the gospel of the cross and the blood that Christ Jesus died for you, was crucified for you, died for you, and resurrected for you. Hmm? And that God is asking this generation to now partake of that substitute death. That they must receive it to see eternal life. And that when you receive that substitute death, are born again, you must now safeguard yourself from the decay. Now in your salvation, you must safeguard your salvation. He warns you against the decay, apostasy. All those things that were trying to push Daniel out of that way. And Daniel resisted, he refused. You must fight that. And so the Lord is saying that there is a way, a way of life, that God has ordained for his people. He has ordained it for those he called his own, he called his own elect, to prepare them for death if they die before the rapture. And so he's encouraging them, he's encouraging the church right now, those who have chosen holiness, from this book of Daniel, chapter 12, 13, it says, Go on faithfully with God on that way, the way you have walked since you were young until now. Go on walking on that way till the very end. Because this journey takes you into eternal life, into eternal reward, into resurrection for life. 
and you shall rest from your labors, and you shall enter God's rest. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, you see that perfect example. When Lazarus continued in the narrow way, very unpopular to the world, with wounds and sores and longing and lacking, it's not a way that people love to walk in. The present day church definitely is not on that way. Only in this ministry now people have been awakened by the visitations of God and what God Almighty is saying in the dreams and conversations. But it's a very restricted way, restrained, constrained, separated way. It brings to bear the cost, the real cost of discipleship, the price of following Jesus. It's a squeezed way, pressing. It presses you, a pressed way, a pressing way to press you, to trim you. It will bring you into fasting, the way we are fasting today. Do not let you just eat basti and go on forever like that. And it will cause you to put your faith in Christ Jesus. In this way, you are walking towards the heavenly inheritance. And you say, go on to the very end. Don't fall. Don't fall like you see in Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 4 to 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened and who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to the center. He said to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace, public shame. He's warning, he said, you keep on walking on this way. You, Daniel, go on faithfully walking with God like that, the way you have been walking. Walk on this journey until the very end. Don't stop, for you shall rest from your labor and enter into God's rest. Don't fall like the present-day church that is being described in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, 4 to 6, 4 to 8, if you will. You keep on walking. Because the reward, he's saying. There is a reward. There's an eternal inheritance, he says. He promises. And if you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 21, you see that reward. He says, then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the holy one, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from among the throne, from rather from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with the people, with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So in other words, they will meet God now face to face. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, meaning the things that cause you to weep, he will take away, they will not be there. If it is divorce causing you to weep, he will take it away. If it is disease, cancer, diabetes, leukemia, kidney failure causing you to weep that much, he will take it away. 
if it is robbers coming to kill people in your plot, in your neighborhood, eh, whatever it is, that causes you to cry, if it's financial depravity, lack, lack of food, disease, wars, you will remove those things that bring tears, that have brought so much tears on the face of mankind on this earth. You will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. So you will take away all those appreciate what God is presenting here as the reward for walking in this narrow way. He said, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is serious. For the old order of things has passed away. The Lord is promising a new, totally new heaven, new earth, totally new Jerusalem, new city, new life, new you, new creation, separated from sin and the wounds and agonies and pains and devastation of sin that you've seen on this earth. Totally separated from that. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true, meaning it's a guarantee. You can take it to the bank. There will be reward for walking the restrained way, the constricted lifestyle, the restricted lifestyle, separated lifestyle, the costly lifestyle where you're literally paying the cost of discipleship, separating you from your family sometimes. Huh? And so the Lord is really encouraging you as a church. He's encouraging the body of Christ. So much is encouraging you to, to, to embrace persecution and to persevere in this life. And he's saying that in any case, everything is temporary. If you look at the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, as I finish up now, he says, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That is very powerful, a prophet, a prophet, a promise. In different versions, you can read it, English standard version, standard version, it says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's why I said on this way there is endurance. This is a message I thought I should bring you uh, tonight. It's a part of what I did not give you uh, last time. But you see, the Lord has decided to bring it to you at this hour, that other people that may be asleep at that time or busy or not able to tune in cannot have a chance. I will repeat it, God willing. I will repeat it this night during our midweek service. But this is very serious what the Lord is saying. And if you look at the New Living Translation, it says, And all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. You talk about enduring to the end, tending to the end. And he's promising, he's not saying, oh, they will love you. This thing you see the pastors, you know, go to that city, they will love you. No, that is, a, uh, that is false. They will hate you. The world that is so much in sin like this world cannot hate you, cannot love you, rather, 
if you are sent by God, they must hate you. Because if the Lord sends you, then you must come renouncing the sin and the apostasy of this generation. And there is no way they can love you because we are testifying against them. They did not love Jesus, so there is no way they would love you. Because Jesus testified against them. And that's why the Lord is saying that you need to be very careful. He's warning you as the church that persecution is given. So he's saying that followers of Christ, followers of Christ should be aware that you will be ill-treated. Christians, you will be ill-treated. You will not be treated well by friends and relations, relatives, but by, by those that don't even know you. Everyone will mistreat you. And he's saying, he calls it hatred. They will hate you. They will turn their hatred to you. But he's saying that you should stand firm in the face of that wrath of malice, wrath of man and malice. You should stand firm. He's saying most of them, they will hate you. They will hate you for the name of Christ, for choosing Christ, for choosing holiness. Wicked men will come against you. Those that rejected the Messiah, they are still present today. They are still rejecting the Messiah. They don't believe in him. They disbelieve. They reject him, but they will reject you too. They will fight you. That's what the Lord is raising. He is not promising paradise for you on this earth as a Christian. But he's saying you should prepare for rejection. He said, prepare for persecution. He's saying they rejected Christ in his ministry. Huh? They didn't love him. They did not honor him. Hmm? But it's saying here so clearly that this hatred and wickedness and rejection and persecution they bring to you will not last long. It will not last forever. It will last for a short time. That's why he's telling him, continue walking in this way. At the end, you will see glory. You will see reward. Meaning God is in charge. Meaning we Christians, we are the most blessed people because it ends with a win-win. We win at the end. Evil does not win. Wickedness does not win. Satan does not win. God is in charge of the entire human history. The entire prophetic line of God, timeline of God. God is in charge of it. He knows how it ends. And he's giving you some news here, breaking news of how it will end. That no matter the persecution, it will end well for you. It will end well. What great news. And he's saying, you must live in purity. You must live in holiness, righteousness, because of that. So you were called hmm, to profess Christ, to preach him with zeal. And he says, it must end well. Because he says, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. He's saying, don't panic. It will end well. God will save you. No matter the tribulations 
And persecutions, you know, when I add S, it doesn't mean it tells you that it's not the big tribulation coming. I'm talking about no matter what you pass through here. But even in this book, they're referring to that time. The Lord is referring to that time of tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. And he's using that to be able to supplant a message to the present church, to rendition, to bring back a message. And so he's saying, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Hmm? And he tells you that no matter the persecution, the hatred, the wickedness against you, that shall not last. There will be an end to them. Even those people that are persecuting you, there will be an end to them. God is bringing everlasting life to you. And he will cut off the enemies of God. That's why there are two resurrections. Those who are disobedient, those who are wicked, they will end into eternal judgment. This is a very powerful promise to the church. He's saying you should be happy. You are blessed, you that patiently endure the hatred of man, the persecution, the wickedness, all manner of abuse for the sake of Christ. He said, those afflictions, as you suffer them, you stand firm in the faith. Continue preaching Christ. Continue walking on the Christian course, the Christian journey, the holy course, the holy journey, the holy road, the Christian road, the narrow road. Continue walking on that road. Because you shall be saved. You shall be saved. And for eternal life. So may the Lord bless you. Those who want to see the Lord, repeat after me. Say, my angel, Lord Jesus, please hearken my heart to eternity. And I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to give me endurance and patience and help me persevere in this life. I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to focus me on eternal life. For today I come before you and repent of all sin. And I receive you, my Lord Jesus, into my heart as my Lord and blessed Savior. And I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to lead me to the narrow way, that in that way I may crucify the flesh and live by faith and live a separated life and endure persecution and trials. It's a lifestyle you've set for your beloved people, and I accept it today. To live in a way of life that you have ordained for your beloved elect, that I too may be prepared for that everlasting kingdom of God that is coming. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'm born again. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you.